When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Episode 87 of Tales with TR. We're flying through. Flying through January. This, the 19th, already towards the end of January. There's only 12 months in a year, so we're just about one-twelfth of the way through 2022 already. Doesn't time fly? Before I go any further, congrats to Chris Pronger. Uh, not just because he slugged a beer as part of his uh, induction into his into the St. Louis or raised his jersey, I suppose. He's already in the Hall of Fame. In any case, I looked up to that guy and um, always loved the way he played. I played one game against him in exhibition, and I still say, like, I'd, I'd heard anyway, but it was hard to go in front of the net. I can't imagine being in his division. I think at the time I'd welcome the competition, but it hurt. Like, he... He'd cross-check and then he'd whack. Cross-check in the back or right up under, like where the kidney is. And even if you got protection, he had a way and a lot of good D-do. You know, getting the stick kind of in between the pants and the shoulder pads and kind of feeling your way around until there's bare skin and boom. He'd do that one. And then uh, once he cross-checked and you came forward a little bit, 
whack you across the ankle. But that was pretty much. That was standard for a tough defenseman back in the day. Um, and, you know, Pronger was like six, nine or some shit. I mean, he, he's one of the tallest effective defensemen to ever play. So, I mean, obviously he's real tough and he played tough. And he was, I think maybe because of that, as time goes, I, I think just like Scott Stevens, you forget how good he was. Scott Stevens, when he first came in, had like 70, 80 points. If I remember correctly, I know I'm not too far off because I've had this debate with people many times and uh, Pronger was unbelievable. You wouldn't be in the hall of fame otherwise, but as time passes, you see, you look back and a lot of the YouTube clips are the chaos uh, because he played tough. Like you did not want to go down his side. He was halfway to bird dog. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, I'm going to take four penalties tonight. Let's kill them off uh, because they're not going to come back. You know, and, Guy, guy, a guy that you were scared to go down the side. You had to work up the courage, you know, to, to, again, I'm speaking from one game, but I know a lot of people that played with and against them. And back in the day, I'd do my homework on any guy. I mean, I sat out against them a few times. You know, you're, you're a forward that goes to the front of the net. You know, everybody in all three fucking leagues, in the East Coast League, the AHL, and the NHL. I'm not, I'm not shitting you. Hockey news used to come around even before the internet. You'd, uh, well, the internet was there, but before all this social media and, and actually using the internet to your advantage kind of thing as a resource, you know, I, uh, that really wasn't around at that time, at least not that I recall. It was more reading the hockey news for stats, you know, hockey DB and shit like that wasn't invented yet. So, or elite prospects, another good one. Um, and if anybody's listening from hockey DB, by the way, uh, I don't want to say get your shit together, but someone brought up elite prospects a little while ago to me. And uh, I got to say, it goes, it it goes pretty deep, like senior hockey stats and right back to like Quinnell when I played junior a in the early nineties. Anyway, because I always love hockey DB. And I mean, I think it's a great source, but I got to be honest. I'm looking, I think elite prospects might be gaining some ground on you there guys. If not surpassed you, Um, but hats off to both for uh, providing us with such great hockey information. Anyway, it used to be you get on the bus, man, especially in the West. We'd have these long bus rides, as you know. I mean, you got them in junior anyway, but the West was... I haven't done the math on the kilometers logged, but, you know. I know I remember Tri-City to Brandon was almost 30 hours, and Seattle was more West, for you know, further away from Brandon than we were. Uh you know, you're in Brandon, Manitoba. You're almost in Ontario. We're on the west coast of the United States with no flights, mind you. None at that time. I did. I remember the playoffs once we did it and we got smoked anyway because Kamloops used it for fuel. But hearing that we had a flight. Um, but, uh, you know, it just wasn't a thing. So we would we would go out, to, you know, to the, East, the Eastern Division once and, and I believe... The, the one long, long road trip where we went out to like Brandon and Prince Albert and, and that kind of far east in terms of the WHL um, teams. And then, you know, hit the other ones on the way back. And then we go to the Central Division, which I, I, I don't know how the divisions work now. I do follow my junior teams, but uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not. I know at the time, you know, Red Deer, obviously, the Alberta teams were in the Central Division, right? 
Lethbridge uh, on and on. So, Calgary, Edmonton. So, anyway, you spend all that time, like everybody would have the hockey news stats memorized. Uh, you know, there's only so many publications and like junior kids actually reading books. Like, I'm not saying we did it all the time, but often like talking with, I, I just assume that doesn't happen anymore. Maybe I'm wrong, but seems to me everybody got their phone out. Not saying we would have been any different, but we didn't have that option. And I'm fucking glad we didn't just got in ahead of that because uh, I really think that maybe some of the relationships that my group formed in junior still last a little bit longer because um, there's no real outside influences. You're really, it really feels like a true experience that you're all going through together. Now I think together means whoever's following me on social media. Anyway, there's good and bad to both. Who am I to say? And like I said, I we would have been on our phones too. We just didn't have the option. But anyway, that's how we used to pay attention to that. And like, I could not believe Chris Pronger's numbers. And I remember some of the boys playing uh, in the Canada games and they, Newfoundland opened up and against Ontario. I, it, does that shit happen? And is that the way they do it? Like Ontario should at least be Toronto and then the rest of Ontario. I mean, the numbers just don't add up. There's some great players on that team. I remember uh, Donnie Jarvis, great local player. Um, Jeff, uh, Johnny Drover ended up playing in Kingston. Gordy Walsh played in Kingston. Um, oh, God. God. This is horrible, but I should know the age group just a couple years older than me. Keith Power and Mount Pearl, Curtis Baggs. Um, there, there, were, there were some good players. And a few that got to go away. There wasn't as many people scouting then. So we hurt that way too, right? Like, no wonder I, I came back and I was the best of my group. Like, I left to go when I played when I was 14. So for two of those years, the boys are home playing Newfoundland Bantam. And I'm not knocking that. Newfoundland is overrepresented in pro hockey. We have great systems. But when you take Team Newfoundland versus Team Ontario, good Lord. You know, you're talking about hundreds of thousands more people to pick from. So, you know, it wasn't lack of a program. That's why they have in, in regularly in the worlds, you know, when I say I played for Canada in under 18 and under 17, under 18 was team Canada, but under 17 was like, I was on team Pacific cause I played out West. And then there was team uh, Ontario team, Quebec team West was Saskatchewan, um, Manitoba. I was on team Pacific, which I, I said was Alberta and BC. And then there was, um, then there was Atlantic, right? But I mean, so if that's not lopsided enough, and I remember I had an option to play for Pacific or Atlantic in the under 17s. And I mean, you know, Pacific had Aginla and Kyle McLaren, Byron Ritchie, you know, Shane Willis, you forget him, he had 30 in the show. Uh, you know, I go down the list. Craig Adams, there's a guy who played like 800 games in Carolina, I think. You know, it was just a better team. So I was like, you know, my draft year is next year. I might as well go with the team that has the highest probability of winning or, you know, no offense to the Atlantics. Jesus, I just had an opportunity to play on a team favored to win. We didn't. We lost. And uh, fuck, I went nuts, too. We lost to the Czech Republic. I had had three player of the games of the five. I'm not shitting you. I had three. Kyle McLaren had the other two. I had an unreal tournament and then playing check, they scored to make it like six to three. So the game was over with like three minutes left. And I got suspended for the bronze medal game. I went out and lost my mind. I fought three different guys on one play. Fuck. And you know, 
I was pissed off. And to me, it was like, fuck bronze. And you know what? What? what I've got three player of the games. Every scout in the stands knows that I'm decent. Right. They so if I go out and grab somebody, maybe they'll know I'm tough, too. But it wasn't all that. I lost my temper. I like to sit here and say I, it was thought out, but that had, that had something to do with it. I didn't. I lost my temper because I knew there wouldn't be much consequences. Who cares if we get the bronze? Now, if I was playing on Atlantic, it would have meant something, but it didn't mean anybody on the Pacific. I, my medal is definitely given away. I have no idea where it is. It never mattered to me. It's a bronze medal. What mattered? I, I loved playing with all those guys and the experience, but none of us. I don't call Matt Higgins and go, hey, man, can you remember when we won the bronze in the under 17? We wouldn't even ever say that, that word. We won the bronze. We wouldn't even say those words. Anyway, anyway. So imagine when it's just province on province, and that happens every four years in the Canada game. So, you know, Newfoundland gets fucking crushed. It should be Newfoundland, Yukon, I don't know, PEI, maybe, you know, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, just, just on population. None of it, I guess, wouldn't be Yukon anymore, would it? We'd go with the whole region. Um, anyway, yeah, so... I'd heard stories about Chris Pronger when I was like 13, like minor hockey kind of stuff from guys that were older that played the Canada games against them and stuff. And anyway, as time went on, I've never met the guy. He follows me on Twitter or, or on Instagram, actually, and I, I'm mystified. I have no idea why. I, 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 um, maybe it's an accident. I, I'm not sure. It could be because... I've never m really met him. I mean, I did, but I didn't. He was with a bunch of people um at a golf tournament in ontario years ago a hundred percent he would not remember who i was from that point so i don't know i'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast but on the off chance that he does chris congrats um it seemed like a deadly night anyway moving on so i uh I'm going to have a YouTube show once a week. I've thought about this. So DraftKings are on board. The Hockey Podcast Network, thank you, thanks to you guys. I never will be able to do it without them. And I'm not sure. We, we just figured the first thing we're going to do is get a time and, uh, you know, a day and a time, obviously. But I want to be more. If, if it's people talking to me, I got to have a kind of a strict regimen. I got to have some sort of a schedule that's consistent. So I'm calling the, the, the shows that film industries in newfoundland now is kind of shut down but there's three or four major shows coming back and that's where i'll end up doing the bulk of my work uh outside of this so i'm checking it out to see which and and yeah and weekends aren't weekends in that world so like one show might have thursdays and fridays as their weekend it's always two days off but it doesn't have to be friday saturday or saturday sunday right so i'm, I'm just gonna try to get as much info as i can on the day that i'll have the least odds of working and just book that off basically for the year, see how it goes. And it's going to be some Q and a. So I know like it'll, it's good for so many reasons. First, it'll save me getting 17,582 messages each week, which might be a slight exaggeration, but I, I just can't get back to everybody. There's so many messages there and most of them, are great people that I want to interact with. And here I am typing and they're on the other end typing and I might not even see the message. So when the odds are, I won't. So I'm going to, I, I think this is a good idea. I've had some that 
didn't work out. Hence, blew all of I, I blew a lot of money for my 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 ex wife when we were family. Well, we're still a fucking family, but you know we had some great ideas, and I let us into them. One was a magazine um, called Faces that I think probably went under. I kind of got eh. Good people at the top, just someone that kind of knew somebody who knew somebody got me into it. And it was a bit of a, and anyway, I lost a lot of money and uh, we lost a lot of money. That was just one business venture. Um, there was a couple more. I don't want to get specific because all of it was the best intentions, everybody involved. Right. But uh, yeah, just you know, you win some, you lose some. Unfortunately, the ones that we lost for a little bit were, uh, they stung. So I think, oh, where was I going with that? Yes, but this idea, I don't really see it. It costing me too much money. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it works, then DraftKings are happy. They're going to sponsor it. Maybe when we get more sponsors, anybody out there thinks it's a good idea as well, just shoot me a note, Terry Ryan 2020 at gmail.com or just uh or yeah right now i guess why don't you just come on if you why don't you just come on and talk to me i was just giving out my info i'm trying to say i get too many messages and i'm basically telling you to send me more messages so yeah that exactly if you're interested in sponsorship or i don't know if your kid got a tournament coming up and he wants a pep talk or if uh if you just have questions about hockey or my career or anybody's career that I'm that has been a guest, or if you have suggestions of other people, I'm definitely going to have my dad on there a lot. I'm going to do it from his basement. It seems like a, the right place to do a hockey show. I don't know. A lot of it will end up just like this, not being hockey. It's whatever you guys want to talk about. And it gives me a better idea. And, you know, we're saying 20 minutes, but you know me, like, you know, I've fucking been talking 20 minutes now about nothing. So, you know, I'm just going to open it up and I'm going to book that day slash night off to, to do my work around the house kind of thing. And feel free to tune in, ask me anything. And uh, as time goes, I'm sure the show will evolve. That's where we're going to start. I'll probably bring somebody on once in a while. Somebody on once in a while. I don't know. I'm going to have Liam Hickey on soon. So Liam is going to the Olympics. Liam is is on the he's a born without a femur so he's on the Paralympic team he's on the basketball squad and the sledge hockey team which is kind of incredible right and because it's the Paralympics you kind of don't hear as much about it although that's improving but you know that's Bo Jackson shit you know like if you get if I know a lot of people don't know just google Bo Jackson Bo knows there's a good YouTube uh, or good commercial that you'll find on YouTube Bo knows he fucking was an all-star Deion Sanders too. A few people who pulled it off, but, but Bo Jackson would play like go play football. Then he'd play in baseball and then he'd go, he'd go back and forth. It was incredible. And he was an all-star in both. And unfortunately, if I remember correctly, he got hurt. It was like an ankle or a knee. And, and it was like, he was just back and having an incredible, uh, career off to a new he was an all-star in both sports i don't think deon sanders was an all-star in baseball i could be wrong but at the same time yeah deon sanders playing on the yankees uh and uh, well no you know what i 
I think maybe one year Sanders was, but Bo Jackson was definitely more high profile of the two that, that played on both uh, played in the NFL and uh, the major leagues. Fuck. That's incredible. If you think about it, the Tom Glavin, I believe pitcher in baseball ended up being a hall of famer for the Braves. He was drafted to the LA Kings. God, that's crazy. Athleticism. Well, Liam Hickey, I mean, think about it. The Paralympics have become bigger and bigger and bigger every year. There's more people in it now than ever, right? Way more. It's picked up momentum. I didn't ever used to even know it was a thing when I was like five, six years old. I don't know when it started picking up all this momentum. But Liam is on the basketball team and the hockey team. That's incredible. Anyway, we're going to have him on soon. And what often happens, and what I'm saying is that he lives in Newfoundland, just up the road from me. So not only will he be a guest, say, in episode 90 or 91, whatever, when he gets back, I'm going to have him on. There's no point doing it before. At least I'd rather talk to him about his experience at the Olympics. Um, and that'll be a hell of an experience this year for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm sure it'll evolve into that. Maybe I'll have you know a guest on once in a while, and you can ask us both questions. or You know what I'm saying? It'll also... I just don't, you know, it, I guess it's the only form of interaction that I'm trying to think. It's not like I have a call-in show or anything, you know, so I think it'll uh, be good for a lot of reasons. Okay, so my guest this week, Greg Schmidt. I'm going to say this now because, like, I don't want to dwell on negativity here or, uh, and I know he's been through a lot. So Greg was one of my best friends in junior hockey. I, I only, I played in Red Deer only the last part of my last year. I started the year in Montreal. I was practicing. Tri-City were in dead last. So Ray Jean Hull said, we're going to send you back to junior to take a, a run at the Memorial Cup. Which team do you want to go to? There's a few that are offering Tri-Cities trades and your, and your GM in Tri-Cities, nice enough, Bob Brown, nice enough to grant us. Uh, and it was Dennis Bayak, who was my GM, by the way. I'm going to have him on at some point. Dennis and I were there for two years together. I got a little bit... Um, closer relationship with Dennis, but Bob Brown came in when I was 18, who had been the, who orchestrated that, those Kamloops dynasties. He was a great fella. And his son, Rob was an un unreal player that I've done some alumni stuff with. Great guy. Um, anyway. And, and, you know, they were nice enough in Tri-Cities to say, look, we got a bunch of offers. So basically Ray Jean Hulot was in Montreal saying, we want you to trade Terry to this, you know, basically. So, you know, because some teams were going for it. I remember Seattle tried and they were right in Tri-City Division. And uh, but it, it would have been nice to play with Patrick Marlowe. They, they ended up making the West final. The team that beat us out in the East final, I ended up going to Red Deer, was Lethbridge. And they beat us. What a burn burner. We It was six games. But anyway, it was closer than it sounded. And uh, we went on a magical run. It was awesome for a lot of reasons. Uh, Aaron Asham had just been traded to or drafted by Montreal and he's a year younger than me. I'd gone there and first time we'd play together, my good buddy, BJ Young from Tri-Cities, he was there. He ended up setting the goal scoring record that still hasn't been broken for the Red Deer Rebels, 58. If anybody's listening in Red Deer, retire his fucking jersey. He passed away 15 years ago now. God, leading scorer ever. I mean, I know it was different management, but come on. And I love the Red Deer Rebels and what they did for me. And they flew us out for the Memorial Cup a few years ago. Awesome people. Awesome. But please, please put his jersey in the stands. Guy passed away at 27 years old. His son is out there again now. He grew up there till he was 
seven, eight, and then he came over here. We'd always go back, though. I mean, he might as well have, you know, he never really lost touch with Red Deer. Now he's back out west, goes to games, and his dad had the most goals ever in a season. And a lot of great players. Ryan Nugent Hopkins there, he came through a few years later, not even close, not even close, like 20 goals less. So, and Colby Armstrong, Dan Phaneuf, lots of guys went through there, but TJ's the highest score ever. Anyway, it was a, it was an unbelievable time. And Schmitty and I and BJ were aligned. And, um, and on the power play, we'd play with Asham. But, you know, a lot of people think that because I went there and Ash is my good buddy, that we played together. That wasn't the case. It was BJ and uh, Greg Schmidt. For the most, most, you know, we needed a goal. You know, things change if you're a coach. But, but uh, Schmitty, man, he could play. 45 goals his last two years a junior southpaw at that time size size mattered a little more i think maybe at least when it comes to getting drafted so i think he went undrafted because he was like 510 but i i mean i, I know he could have played no doubt a, a role role uh, in in the nhl uh you know a lot of guys i've often said it the superstars are the superstars and even, you know, some guys are still, there are spots, not a lot. It's the NHL. I'm not taking it for granted, but sometimes you get a good skater that goes out and does a job. Um, and I, I think he could have done it. He wouldn't have embarrassed you, put it that way. Uh, and uh, just a reliable guy too. Like, you know, just such a good dude. So anyway, last year, okay, so we, a year ago, his just over that maybe I, I forget when it was within it was between a year and, and, and two years ago. His son Dax was murdered. He didn't pass away, you know, over time or there was no condition or he was murdered. Right. So Schmidt had to go through that. Dax, I don't know. I think he was like twenty. I guess I, I, he was born when I played in Red Deer, so he was probably twenty three when he died. Uh. And his son, Chase, played last year in Bonneville with uh, my buddy from Newfoundland, uh, Maddie McKim, Andrew McKim. You guys know Andrew. Andrew's a few years older than me, uh, maybe 10 years older, um, but great hockey player. Played for Boston. Like uh, I think Andrew was born in St. John, but uh, went to college route and real, real fucking good player. Same thing, different era, smaller player, went overseas and lit it up too. It's no, no fluke that his son, Maddie's a good player. Well, Maddie played with Chase, uh, Greg's son in uh, Bonneville a year ago, you know, for that in the, in the Alberta junior league. And all this goes down, man. It's unbelievable. Greg and Sarah, his wife, great people. They were together. I think they were married when we played junior, which is not usually the case. It was real weird because Schmidt, would come to the rink and he had like a baby and he was married. It was, and everybody else was just like either like 16 and just coming into the league or guys like me that had been up. Um, it wasn't just me either. That was uh, NHL. We had Lance Ward ended up playing in Florida uh, like the next year, Mike Brown. I had a cup of coffee with the Vancouver Canucks, both first round picks. Um, Mike McVean went, he played at least, at least 30 games with Tampa Bay. Not a lot, but you know what I'm saying? When you're in junior, the odds are against you. And we, a lot of our guys, fuck, a lot of our guys and other guys like Lloyd Shaw, big, great pro players. Um, and I'm forgetting guys, obviously, but uh, yeah. We were, uh, we were real, you know, we were real tight too. And uh, 
I just, I just can't imagine. And you know, Schmitty, I, I just couldn't imagine. I actually, can you imagine this? I had, I did a podcast with him last summer and I, I couldn't put it up because it kept cutting in and out. It sounded, the, the quality was horrible. So let's hope across fingers, this works out better. I know why it didn't last time. Actually, I was in, a, in the wrong place, uh, but at the wrong time. But uh, anyway, um, just, just a great fella. And maybe, and maybe it was in the fall. I took a picture and I was at like a soccer field with my daughter and uh, it was like a team picture. And I, and Schmitty made a comment. He's like, Oh, T-Bone, uh, stop hitting on the soccer moms, and, you know, uh, take your daughter for a treat after the game or whatever. He made some comment and I knew that, it, you know, to do with that. And, and I knew that he was back, you know, like, and I know what that's like. Cause well, I, I don't know what it's like to lose a, a child. I don't have any idea what that's like. I don't. As for, you know, that that's the highest level. I don't even want to say those words anymore because I don't want to think about it. And anybody, there must be someone out there that I'm talking to that went through it. And please, I, I, do, I don't mean to disrespect that whole situation. But in my, my life, okay, I got, a, I got the closest things I can think of. Definitely my grandfather, of course, when I'm 13. But everybody goes through that. It's almost a rite of passage in life. You know, great grandfathers and grandfathers passing away. Eventually, parents, you know, it's what stages of life we're in. But normally, your friends don't that early. And I had my roommate in four different, my four, the four first teams that I played on would be in Cornell, leaving home, uh, Tri City, Red Deer, and then Fredericton or Montreal, whatever. My roommate at some point in each place passed away. Uh, so Todd Klassen from, uh, that was the first one. It wasn't all in chronological order from uh, Tri Cities. We were actually on our way down to like uh, down to Tri-Cities for boat races and then in Kennewick, Washington. And then the season would start. The boat races are at the end of July. And me and Steve O'Rourke were doing a school and we were about to leave and we got a note. And, you know, the boys, a bunch of them, five or six cars, right? They all followed each other. And uh, anyway, Todd ended up passing away. That was hard. Um, the next, the next yeah, the next word, Mike Collins from Cornell, a real good buddy, died in his 20s. Uh, and then uh, BJ, right, from Red Deer and Tri-Cities or whatever. BJ was one of my best friends. And then Jonathan DeLille, one of my real good pro hockey buddies. He's actually got one game in the NHL. And it was, I remember, I went in my, a lot, whatever the story was, that morning I went in and my wisdom teeth started coming in. And I, I had to have this, my wisdom teeth removed. And they called Johnny up and he played his one NHL game. So there you go. I remember being pissed off that day. Fuck, I'll play anyway. Gates, put me in. Put me in. You can't play, Terry. You can't open your fucking mouth. Gates, I can breathe. Put a fucking cage on me. It's another notch on my belt. It's a game in the NHL. Put me in. Put me in. Gaetan Lafave, the trainer. <laughs> anyway, they put Johnny in. And now I couldn't be any more fucking ecstatic about that decision on that particular day in uh, late 1999. So anyway, Schmidt, went through a lot, man. And, and if it brought me to tears just to get it, you know what I mean? Cause I, I, from when it happened and from last fall, I, I didn't know at what point in between that, you know, you, at some point time heals and, and you must move on, especially if you have other kids and other things to, you know, and it, I, it's hard. I, I, I don't, I don't know, but I know when, when it happened to BJ, in particular, the other guys, of course, yes. Uh, you know, I ended up raising BJ's son. So it's obviously, and we, we were just talking, me and BJ were going to go to Europe and play. Like I was 
long story, but we were like set to leave like five days later and he died in a car accident. Um, and you know, I hated everybody. I lashed out. I fucking, I just went on a bender, you know, and a couple of those nights I could have been gone myself. And uh, then, you know, just at some point, I remember I almost felt guilty to laugh for a while. And then at one point, I remember kind of joking around and I was and, and it really helped. It was therapeutic. Well, the kind of message I got from Schmidt, was finally like, hey, T-Bone, you know, stop hitting on the soccer mom. I, you know, in other words, he, he's in a good mood again. And I feel kind of selfishly better about this interview that we're about to do because we're further removed from that tragic situation. I'm going to ask him one question about Dax and then we're moving on because I don't want to dwell on that. He was such a great person and, and such a great friend that I'd rather just focus on the positive. And Dax, if we, if we limit it to one question, not that I want to go in limiting things, but I believe that more positivity will come out of it. And uh, I don't want to make this the, uh, a morbid interview for him. So, or me, obviously, but for him. Or for you, I think it's healthy that uh, we get into some old school junior and pro stories with Greg the Hammer Schmidt, one of my favorites, coming right up. Folks, we're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is one of the best two-way hockey players in the history of the storied Red Deer Rebels and is definitely one of the toughest pound-for-pound the franchise has ever produced. This high-scoring Southpaw went on to play 13 seasons of pro hockey all over the world, including a six-year stint in Germany, where he consistently scored at an above-point-per-game pace. One of the best players to ever come out of North Battleford, Saskatchewan. He is a feisty forward, a gritty guy, a wild Western leaguer, a renegade rebel, a slippery scorer, a scintillating Southpaw. With seeming ease, he can put it top cheese, but I have no doubt he'd knock you out. We had a few beers back in the deer. We played on a line in Red Deer, you see. He wore 12 and I wore three. As a golfer, I'd heard he shoots around par, and at Brantley's, we often shut down the bar. (coughs) He's a good-looking guy. (coughs) Excuse me. He's a good-looking guy, dresses real fine, and he had hair on his face at the age of nine. The rum we drank had a bit of a bite when we partied in cabins in Moose Jaw one night. 
He's a little bit older, but hasn't changed a bit. Ladies and gents, please welcome my buddy, Greg Schmidt. How are you, Schmitty? Doing great, brother. That was a beautiful entry. Uh, I noticed when you said I was handsome, you almost uh, choked on your own uh, words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you do. The hat you're wearing today, there's a Newfoundland uh, relationship going on there with... um, You've actually you've never been here, have you? No, I never got invited. Oh, Schmitty, I thought I thought you wore that because you. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I, I don't put much of this out on video, but if you could see Schmitty's wearing a salt and pepper hat, you could be from Bonavista, my son. You've never been over to here. Okay. Well, yeah, we got to do that someday, and someday soon, because I see a lot more uh, gray <laughs> from my from my end. Yeah, maybe maybe you do too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can tell you uh, right now with where I'm at in Alberta, it's freaking minus 40 every other day. Um, I'd love to get there, buddy. It's, uh, it would be a dream. And I, I got to come see a senior and, and get involved with one of his talk shows. You got to do that. And you've got to do that. And right at this point, so over the years, I mean, since I played there, remember that that video tape we had the highlights from red deer and I, it keeps getting taken off youtube i think maybe the the rights or whatever it's the tv station but we've watched that a thousand times my dad's favorite end-to-end rush is greg schmidt going down the right side the wrong pulling over in front up under the bar and speaking speaking of that north battleford how did you get to the western league because i know that you went there late i remember there's a bit of a story there. Like, were you a superstar growing up and it was a matter of time before you got to the West or did like all of a sudden you hit midget and it's like, whoa, I'm a prospect. Well, I think it was kind of the opposite. I was a superstar at a younger age, but then as guys got bigger and yeah. you know how that goes, then everyone starts to catch up and then it's like, oh, geez, maybe I'm, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And so when I got into Bantam and even my first year midget, um, I really wasn't talking to anybody. Nobody. Um, nobody. I'd gone to the uh, uh, Saskatoon Blades or kind of those those types of camps, but nothing really, really serious. And but I found out later, my coach Midget AAA was a scout for Red Deer, so I had actually played pretty well at Midget AAA. So I think he maybe wanted to keep me more in Midget then send me to Red Deer before when I was too young. So as soon as I was done AAA midget, like we were out of playoffs, he came to me the next day and he's like, oh, by the way, Red Deer wants you. So I went as an 18-year-old after I graduated uh, AAA midget. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't happen happen very often. I I actually kind of just assumed I was kind of almost done hockey. I didn't think I was going anywhere. Just think about that. So you're playing midget Two see you, you, you think that maybe I'm playing the West. Maybe not. The odds are probably against it. Two years later, you have 45 goals in the Western league. Like yeah. that, that, that's why, what do you attribute it to? Who did you get? Who did you play with? Um, I mean, I, 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 I can't remember cause I wasn't there yet. The yeah. people that listening, I played with Schmidt as last year and it, it would have been 96, 97. So say 90, 596 when you turned it on who were you playing with who was your line well well what is if we go back to my first year we were we were totally awful in red deer um and, and towards the end of that year 
um, BJ got traded to from us, us in Tri Cities. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so he made a, a major difference. Um, and so when I went back as a seventeen or as a as a nineteen year old, sorry, my second year in Red Deer, uh, I in preseason right away, me and BJ got some some chemistry and and quite honestly, right from right from day one. Uh, we just we just clicked and, and he started scoring I started scoring and then as soon as that happens you you believe you're a goal scorer well you, two three months later you got 20 goals you get 25 goals and and yeah you you believe you're a goal scorer and you are I guess well I mean a lot of it is if there's one sport I can't speak for other sports because I really don't know it must be the same though if you're if you're a three-point shooter or whatever you, you are if you're a hitting for average in baseball, you know, like when you're on, you feel on. And usually it's confidence. It's, it's not like luck changes for no reason. I know when shit was going bad, like you almost can't even accept a pass in practice. You know what I mean? Like imagine what was the guy we called Nashy, Vladimir Bednash, was it? So the, boy, the boys were battling it out to hopefully get on one of the first two lines if there was like four injuries, right? Like, yeah. But I, there's there's something to that. Like we didn't see the best they had. Martin Thomasek ended up being a little yeah. bit better the next year. You know what I mean? But sometimes you're judging these guys, and then you know, all of a sudden you hit pro, and you're like, okay, now I'm one of these guys once in a while. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to beat this to death because I would talk about it all day. But BJ, myself, uh, you it was a great line. It's one of the best experiences I've had was that run in the playoffs in. Uh, when was it? 96, 97. Uh, well, yeah, 97. You came to us, I think, wouldn't you come in February that year? Yeah, I came in January. I had the concussion. I sat yeah. there with you guys. It was yeah. a good day. Rick Carrier and Doug Hobson were great because <laughs> they knew. They're like, Terry, like, you're the kind of guy that's going to like be in the room. So they took me in a month early so I could heal there. You know, I had a concussion. It's not like I had to be skating every day. So that, yeah. that's why I was there earlier. But I only played the 16 regular season and then playoffs. Yeah, I know you came in. It was it was quite a bit of fun. We were we had, uh, and then of course you were coming back and the big big uh, contract, and you knew quite a few guys on the team already. So you came in. You get you you definitely gave us some some positive attitude, and it was great. Time. We were we were kind of a gong show on and off the ice. There's, there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, but if we're winning <laughs> the whole time, I don't think we lost two in a row. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah. Of course, the coach and it, Red Deer was different. I played in Tri City. The age to get in the bar is twenty one. Like we never went unless you count Applebee's, yeah. sneaking margaritas, you know, with fans buying them for us. I'm not saying we didn't get drunk. I'm certainly not saying that. Uh, certainly not. Um, we had a good time. There was the odd house party, but Red Deer is completely different because the age to get in is three years younger, eighteen, and they don't give a fuck if you're on the Rebels. They let you in the back door no matter what. Sixteen. Fucking 15. We had Justin Mapletoff called up. Remember that? I mean, it's a totally different. And I guess if you've we, we partied hard, but we also fucking were first at the rink. We worked out. We worked hard. I don't think anybody could question that. Um, now, part of that play hard, party hard. Tell me what you remember about the Moose Jaw. I remember playing in yeah. Moose Jaw. And the story I'm about, I'm going next week to see Mark Maglier Diddy in Las Vegas. Oh. Nice. He loves this story, but I can't remember the reason, but I remember we were leaving Moose Jaw and we were supposed to go the whole way. Maybe it was a snowstorm and we ended up getting a bunch of cabins and we, we sold Hobson and Carrier on this in my mind. And 
And we went in and I remember, I think I bought a stereo or I took one in and, and a bunch of booze and we just had a party and a bunch of bunch of girls showed up. I didn't know they were girlfriends of the guys on the on the on the Warriors, Moose Jaw Warriors. I had no idea. I don't think any of us did. But anyway, I remember it being a, a few other shenanigans happening. What do you remember about that night? Well, we, we were on a bit of a road trip. And of course, I think we had a really good game in Moose Jaw. And it, it was one where we came from behind and might have been a few fights. And of course, we were all jacked up. The uh, coaches were jacked up and, and we were supposed to go home. And the excuse was the weather. Yeah. Now, the weather <laughs> wasn't bad. Wasn't but, that bad at all. So, so the coaches called Wayne Simpson and they said, like, the, the weather, we can't. And and because Wayne would, didn't want to let, you know, a lot of money slip away ever. And so they convinced Wayne to let us stay an extra night. And then we got those cabins about five or ten minutes out of town. Oh, yeah. And I don't know who, I don't know who set up, it was probably BJ, I would assume. Probably. Who set up the the, the girlfriends of the, the Warriors. Probably. I, I had no idea. I was like, what? We're in the middle of the woods. Where, where are these people coming from? <laughs> I do remember you might have paid a, a thousand or a little bit more to have the cabbie bring the alcohol. <laughs> and then, I was just going, I didn't even look at the money then. I And I don't mean that in a cocky way. I was so happy to be back. The concussion was gone. I was with a good team. I was with, you're right. I did know some people and you were all exactly my style. I cared none, nothing, not one fucking shit that I give. So whatever the, I, I remember really trying to convince a cab driver, but I'm like, I'm going to make it worth your while. I promise you just deliver it out here. And, and anyway. he delivered it right into the. Put it right into the fridge. Like, yeah, he stayed. I he, he, might, stayed yeah. he stayed for like three hours. I <laughs> got him shit faced. <laughs> I remember waking up the next morning. I think it was Ovington. He was a young, young rookie, uh, Chris Ovington. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I woke up with him in, in, a, in a bed in a cabin somewhere. And it was, yeah, it was a, quite of a. Yeah. You know, when people say to me, like, oh, yeah, I didn't used to get hangovers. I'm like, I think people just forget. Even when you're young, you get them once in a while. I don't know if you can drink at 26 or in two dozen beers and, and like, not have a hangover. <laughs> that was a, yeah, no, it was a good year and come up a bit short. But, I mean, yeah. we had lots Now, listen, speaking of Red Deer, Red Deer 96, 97. Okay, so we were on top of our games. We were young. We were wheeling. We were dealing. And a lot of people send me questions. So I'm going to run some by you. Yeah. When we played junior, let's just say that year, I mean, let's say our division, because I had a different, I mean, you guys only came to Tri-City twice and I played Joe McGinley and Kamloops 12 times in a season. So I have much better idea of the, so let's just say on our side of it and the central East, some questions over the years I've got, who do you think was the best player or best? Let's say the hardest shot first. Like, who do you remember? Frank Bannum? Well, Bannum would have been the, uh, the, the best year before. Player. Yeah, the year before. Let's yeah, say yeah. let's say that little era of time, like because someone said, well, you know, this started Schmitty about two weeks ago. A lot of people send me messages about, you know, when I play and they, well, about anything. Yeah. And I get back to them. I try to answer the questions as best I can. But they they were saying, well, obviously, Jerome McGinley was the best when you guys were in junior. Who's second best? I said, I don't I don't really know. Now, again. His last year, he was fucking dynamite. But Nat Tom Kelly played on his own team and had more points. So he was dynamite, though. He was canon. I just mean, at no point in junior do I remember going, like, a Ginless by far the best. Uh, 
Yeah. Like when it came to a sh- like Peter Schaefer, I remember him on, on Brandon. He was real yeah. good. You only took Junior. Who else yeah. do you remember? Like for jeez, uh, well Byron Byron Richie, fuck, he was bridge. Yeah, I mean he was he was strong. I, I'm just trying. Um, Swift Current always seemed to have a couple goal scores. Um, none of them really panned out. Well, Shane Willis had 30. He just got yeah, hurt. Shane, Shane Willis was was real good too. I mean, they had uh, for D men uh, Phillips, Chris Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, Chris Phillips. I mean, he was first he overall. He killed us. He was he. Yeah. They all went to Leftbridge, right? <laughs> and then yeah. it kind of. I mean, we were playing against a pretty stacked club in, in Leftbridge. I mean, <laughs> BJ was as good as goal scorer. I think in, in the league anybody. at that time that they're. I mean, he had what do you have? 60, 58? He had fifty-eight, and it's still yeah. a record. And Schmidty, why don't they retire his jersey? His son is out there. He goes to some games. Tyson, great kid. BJ, fifty-eight goals, most in history, and he died at a young age. And they don't have his jersey up. I don't get it. Well, it's it's simply because there's two different Red Deer Rebels, right? There's yeah. the Red Deer Rebels that were the Simpson era, and then there's the Sutter era, which, of, of course, the Sutter era era doesn't really pay much homage to the Simpson no. era. I don't think I'm, I've never, I mean, besides the, the reunion, which we kind of begged to go to the, the uh, Memorial cup. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we would have been invited if, if I think Lieber and, and Walt yeah, just they... played a part of that. Otherwise we might not have even been. No, I, I know that they really did battle to get us out there. What we're referring to yeah. is in 2016, the Memorial cup was in Red Deer and a bunch of us alumni went back. Yeah. You're right. You see, I was in there and for a little song and dance and really enjoyed my time. And when I moved on, I came back and played with Bentley and the Sutters are involved there, but I didn't really think of that change in red deer history, you know what I mean? And you're right. I mean, that gotta be the only reason and I'm not calling them out. Maybe they got their own fucking reasons. They want, you know, in their mind, the red deer rebels started when they came in, but if anybody's listening, that has anything to do with it. I think they should consider it. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, I mean, it, 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 it's not anything bad on the Sutters or I think it's just normal. Right. I mean, they, when a new owner takes over, it's, it's, it's different, right? It's, it's, uh, I don't know that, that era before them, they weren't there. They didn't see, they didn't meet, they didn't Fair meet enough. people. So Fair they, enough. You know, um, who do you think now this, but people ask me who's the toughest. I don't even know how to answer this question. You could let's, let's just, let's limit this to 95 to 97 say, now, in our divi- in our team, okay, Schmidt, you on our team, who did we have that fought? Well, I mean, uh, uh, Stephen Pete to me yeah. was by far, and, and Brownie. I mean, Brownie, Mike Brown, he he fought lots, and he he looked good in a lot of the the fights, and and and. But I think Petey was like just uh, he, he was hurting yeah. guys. He was know? okay. So, I mean, a lot of people would say from that time, Rocky Thompson and Petey was 16. Yeah. He was 19. Yeah. And again, I don't, I, people say, Oh, he kicked the shit out of him. I don't think it was quite that, but I think he got the upper hand on Rocky yeah. Thompson. Am I wrong on that? Schmitty? Yeah. Rocky. I mean, Rocky was, yeah, yeah. I, I would say he was in the top, you know, top two or three for a number, number of years. And we had guys that would, I mean, like Petey Brownie Vandermeer, they were fighting him. Lloyd not- Shaw. Shazi, Shazi. I mean, he was a gore, but he never. I, to me, he never really enjoyed fighting. And yeah, know. you know the difference between uh, uh, the the really like 
the yeah. heart and soul fighters, they're the guys like they just love it. Like they just do it nonstop. They do it nonstop. There, I just had my last last week. I have Sheriff McMorrow, Tom <laughs> McMorrow, and he had eighty six majors one year in the Quebec. Um, I've had Trevor Gillies on. I've had I I spent last couple months with Nasty Morasty, and they're those <laughs> kind of guys. Whereas Shazi, though, he yeah. knew his job. He came yeah. to work with his lunch pail. He wasn't by nature. He didn't want to go out and fight all those guys. But if you're going to hit the goalie, then I'm a defenseman. I'm in front of the net. And this is what I do. Yeah, I, I think it might have been like that. Great, great fella. And I think all that fighting that he did was for his teammates. You know, oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one individual. And I don't know if you know him. I played with him in Quebec was uh, Craig Martin. Oh, yeah. He, he, <laughs> I fought him in, in Bakersfield. Dude, I just <laughs> did it. I, I, and I set off the bat because Craig Martin. um black guy played in i forget maybe the quebec junior but i i looked up like i knew who he was coming in yeah. and yeah. i got him on the way down i was in the west coast league and yeah. he was way old. i mean he's probably 15 years older than me but but, <laughs> and, but but anyway we had and i told him i said dude like i've heard so many stories about buddies greg schmidt who's passed away now schmidt he used to love that guy and i don't even know if he played with him he just told stories and fuck i fought him and whoa man he threw me around it was like fighting a rhinoceros um, was yeah. he a good? Was he a good guy? Oh, uh, unreal! But he just he would come to me. I actually played when I was uh, with the RFL that year in the IHL. I played on a line with him and Serge Roberge for oh my god! A couple of, <laughs> and you, I mean, you talk about two guys, and they just would love fight like Serge Roberge. Yeah, he and they were like Newfoundland Senior League. But, but Schmitty, before you go any further. My first shift professional hockey, I got brought into Fredericton because Tri-City the year before we're talking, 95, 96, lost that first round. They bring me in. My first shift is with Mario Roberge on my left side and Serge on my right. Crazy. Anyway, keep, yeah, brawl. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so uh, those two guys and, and you know, I've been around the Rebels and we had guys that were fighting tough. and But these guys, they they just loved it. Like they, you know, they were in their late thirties and they were still fighting two to three times a game at that, at that point, they were losing quite a few as well. And I was like, Oh my God, these guys are just, and they'd say, Schmitty, you go out there and do whatever you want. And, and I would, we wouldn't, we didn't win too many games, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a, that's, that's all part of the experience, man. Uh, and I knew that when you went there, because I'd kind of just left that um, when I, when I left Montreal and Fredericton of my own volition, the, the minor league team had moved over to Quebec. So I, I guess I kind of would have gone there. And I, I, I don't want to say I regret much because I'm in a real good place in life that not everybody finds themselves in, you know, just being healthy. I mean, and, and fairly happy, you know, I'm saying I'm yeah. certainly not, <laughs> I could be doing better, but I mean, you know, like, <laughs> You know, be just six feet under, you know, so, yeah. but, you know, you never know where you're going to end up. So when I look back at those times, I don't want to say regrets, you know, I wouldn't have my daughter. And all, but um, I do. I wish I would have gotten a chance to play in Quebec. I love that burn. Like, it must have been fun, even though it wasn't a long time. And you don't know any French, yeah. do you? No, not at all. Not at all. It was it was quite a, you know, coming from West, you know, Red Deer, North Battleford is basically the only place I live. And go to <laughs> Quebec. I, I the the we go to look for an apartment because the GM finally tells me you can go find an apartment after being in the hotel for a month. First place I get, I get a bachelor pad right downtown, like two blocks away from the, the Dago Bear. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was, and the guys were like, how do you afford to, and I was like, I, I couldn't afford it. I went home with $0. I mean, yeah, whatever. But it's an yeah, experience. The language was tough. It was tough. Well, Montreal, people say, people that haven't been to Quebec, uh-huh. the province, I mean, don't realize Montreal, you can get by without ever knowing a lick of French. I mean, I would recommend at least learning to read it or whatever, but you, you know, you can get by. Yeah. And in Quebec City, it's really not the case. You have no idea what's happening. There's not as many people that are bilingual. And there's a hint of, yeah, I speak some English, but I'm not going to. So fuck off. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really associate with a lot of uh, the French when it comes to like their po- political uh, ambitions or uh, at least their affiliations. But I know there's a lot of separatists in Quebec City. And yeah. Montreal seems more like multicultural and, you know, a you, lot of people. You know, though, it, it was probably, you know, I wasn't there that long. Well, I wasn't there a ton. I got bad injury, but I ended up living there the whole year. But some years later, it kind of, when I went over to Europe, it was kind of much like, you know, Quebec in a way. Yeah, know, different yeah. language. I mean, old history. And, and maybe if a guy didn't go to Quebec, I wouldn't have got that itch seven years later to, to try the Europe thing. That's Who knows? No, so no, it was, but Schmitty, of the places you played, yeah. Quebec City is beautiful. And but it's beautiful and it's it's very yeah. European. There's yeah. beautiful. I mean, Hawaii is beautiful, but Quebec City, if you're downtown, I like that about St. John's. It's just yeah. it's more on display and uh and just because it's bigger. I mean, Quebec yeah. City to me is is absolutely beautiful. And I don't when I say, you know, some some I, I just found more people had political opinions that that, that were on the side of the French, and if I said separatists, I'm not yeah. necessarily saying that's a bad thing. Like, I don't really know their reason. Like, there's separatists, and in, in, there's people in Newfoundland that would like to be our own province. They, they, they could have, it could be because of their ancestors, or, you know, not everybody's adamant, but there are people. So I don't mean to put that down. It's beautiful, but I can see how the barrier would be there. And when you went over, I guess in Germany, Germany, I know they speak a few different languages, but it's mostly German. Did you learn any of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, quite a bit. I, I, Towards the after I was there a couple of years, I I was I was I could do conversations, you know, alcohol conversations, and and well, the kids played uh, minor hockey in Germany, so a lot of the parents, the I mean, they would speak German, right? So if you if you wanted to be involved in the conversations, you spoke German, yeah, or changes could understand changes. the the hockey. The, it was usually all English, like my hockey, my team, and the coaches. So that part of it um, was fine. Um, what I was mesmerized my first time in Germany, it was 2003. We had a tournament in Switzerland, the ball hockey tournament really. And I, yeah. but I, I stayed in the area and I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back again. I did, but I didn't know that. So I went and I kind of did a little personal, well, with a few friends after the tournament, kind of a little tour. And what struck me was that, it's they, people speak German, they speak Italian, they speak French, they speak English. I mean, I expect that from some places, but I didn't realize all over Germany and how big the cities are. Like yeah. Cologne, Germany is, uh, or or even Dusseldorf. You know, it's. I would think of uh, many, like I don't know, Hamburg, Munich. I can keep going on and on of cities that I in my head were like bigger and, but like Dusseldorf is as big as like it's three times as big as Edmonton. Yeah, you know, like it's why it's huge and. It, so what cities did you yourself play in well I, so the, i played in dresden 
for three years. Beautiful. It, it, they say before, like it got totally uh, bombed out uh, in 44 by the Allies. But they said before that it was basically the Prague of Europe. And, and actually, Prague is only an hour and a half. I love Prague, by the way. It's one of my favorite cities yeah. in the world. Yeah. So, of course, we're in Dresden, and I'd never been to Prague. And everyone's like, okay, hey, you got to go to Prague. And we went there, and it was exactly the same as Dresden. It was just bigger, a little bigger. But we only went once because we're like, well, Dresden is exactly the same. So it, it was. it's yeah, a yeah. real beautiful city in eastern Germany. So it's more of a destination for eastern europeans not not north americans north americans it's going to be berlin uh and then everything down south in your munich area uh that that's more uh where where the north americans travel and then i played in stuttgart for a couple years i call it biddingheim basically it's a suburb of of stuttgart and that's down in that munich area in Bavaria, like it's beautiful, beautiful country. And it's, it's very, very much like North America. I mean, there's a lot of English. Um, it obviously isn't North America, but it's, yeah, you yeah. know, it's more like home. And, and we always had eight to 10 Canadians on our team always. So it, it really, it was, it was, there, there wasn't much trouble at all after you'd been there a couple of years. So. Um, Schmitty, when you were coming out of junior, um, you know, and you, you, you had a cup of coffee and a few different teams, but from 98 to 2002, you played in South Carolina for the yep. Stingrays. There must be a reason you stayed there for four years. Did you, I mean, you had good numbers. Did you really enjoy it down there? Yeah. Like it, and, and still it's a spot where I'd like to get a condo. And yeah. then a lot of the guys still, uh, well, they are either married down there or like Bednar coach, coach, uh, for the avalanche. That's still his home. Like that's is where his main home is. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, oh, which city is it? Uh, Charleston. It's right in Charleston, is it? Is that yeah. where the rink is? Yeah, yeah there's a North Charleston. But, okay. But yeah, Char- yeah. Charleston is kind of the heart. And then basically you're five minutes to like three or four different beach towns. Yeah. Uh, you're 15 minutes to the rink. Yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of them old buddies. Like I have more buddies there than I do, uh, you know, around home these days. So do you ever get back there, Schmitty? Well, no, they actually are having a big reunion here in April. I'd like to, I'd like to get back down. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Should, Ron. Looking fun. back, like I looked, like yeah. looking back at your career, it's so yeah. funny before it all, like, I don't know the be all and the end all seems like the NHL, but yeah. you're not even thinking about those places. Are you? You're not, it doesn't even register. If you'd said to me, South Carolina, I'd go like, fuck, who cares? But I mean, then you get down there and you play and you experience it. I mean, you know, I loved Cincinnati. I was in the East Coast yeah. League. I, I'm not thinking in my head every time I think of Cincinnati, it doesn't matter what league I was in. <laughs> it was just yeah. so much fucking fun. So when I mean, it must have been hard to leave after four years. And why did it, you? It, it was we had, we had won. Ah, uh, yes. And then, uh, you know, I was it was I think I was 25 at that time. And, you know, the NHL had, had kind of gone out of the, the picture. I guess I was more looking for something different. And so that's how I ended up uh, with your buddy, Zach Boyer, there in Colorado, Colorado Springs. The year after <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, what a guy. Uh, he, he, he got me down to Orlando. I ended up 
I finished out uh, in Orlando in the Atlantic Coast League, but I was retired. I was home, and Zach called, and he said, I know you always wanted to win a ring, Noof. And he said, we're in first place. Everybody wants to play in Orlando. And (laughs) that was my experience. Like, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I I remember thinking it's kind of backwards because here I was playing for – one of the most storied franchises on the planet on their farm team. And again, Fredericton <laughs> were great to me, but we didn't sell out. It was nice yeah. as a, as a Montreal prospect, because honestly, sometimes more people went to the UNB games. It's a real thing there. The UNB, yeah. I mean, they go back, yeah. they win national championships for good reason. You got your fans, you got your fans. And, you know, the Habs would play in Sherbrooke and then like Fredericton and then Nova Scotia. And then they, you know, so I can see how there wasn't as much of an attachment, but you would still get, you know, enough Habs fans, but we would, sell out rarely to be honest but i love my time there i'm just saying yeah you would think you know the further you go up the the bigger i guess i don't yeah. even want to say better to offend people because i loved fredericton but you know you get down i got down to the west coast league and i'm flying around to flying first of all it was all busing in the a at the time you know phoenix and yeah. three teams in california and anchorage which is north but hey who gets the anchorage and, you know, after that, Orlando and Macon, Georgia, and then Knoxville, Tennessee. I, I, I'm glad I got to experience it. What would have been your favorite city to visit? Because, I mean, you're in South Carolina. You're right in the heart of a lot of great places. Yeah, so the big difference when we went to the West Coast League is we flew, right? Yeah. So that meant... It was so good. That, that meant after the weekend, Saturday night games, you didn't fly out that night. You flew out the next day. Yeah. Right. So, so many hangovers. So I would say like the, at that point, San Diego uh, was, it was always a good stop because yeah, we would you'd have the two games in a row and then you'd stay overnight and you'd fly out the next day versus the East coast league where you just left right after the games. Um, I had one night out in, in the East coast where we actually, it was a new year's Eve in Atlantic city where we had an afternoon game and then uh, the coaches let us stay for a while. And then we went, went out, but for sure uh, the West coast was, was different for where you would oh, stay yeah. that night, fly out coach sometime because of the cost, not till four o'clock the next day. So, I mean, what are you going to do after the game? You know, it was different years we were there, but we only, well, I was there nine or 2000, 2001, you were there one, two. So in Colorado, I mean, um, yeah. but that was my, honestly, as you said that I've never really thought about that question, but San Diego seemed to be where we ended a lot of trips for what, yeah. for whatever reason you did fly everywhere. And I remember after the game, I think there was a place chill coots, I think was the name of it. But anyway, all the hockey guys, I guess that I knew at the time we, we would all go there and you're right. We would fly out the next day. Whereas a lot of the time in the other leagues, you just put on the bus immediately. Yeah. What's the difference? You're on a bus, bus driver's awake. He goes, <laughs> You know, there's a process to fly in, and they knew that. Was your coach Gunnar Tomlinson? Was he there when you were? No, it was uh, uh, Beach. If I, I forget to tall, skinny D man from the Bruins. What the hell? Um, yeah, I, sh- I, I should know this too because I hung out with you guys. But anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, he's an ex-player, so they know. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, they, yeah. they get it. Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah. like we're going to go out here. We're in San Diego, win two but or four, you- and you know maybe we can. Uh, you know, go Jack home Michael, the next night. Jack, Jack Michaels was the play-by-play guy, though. He would have been there the year. <laughs> well, I was, I was, I only played uh, thirty-five games or something because I was hurt. Yeah. I got my so I, I did the caller every other game that I wasn't playing with him. I got to know Jack well, 
But, you know, you're in the West Coast League and you figure that these guys are going to make a good living bouncing around in the minors. Hopefully, you know, get on maybe a network TV show or, or, or something that hosts about hockey. I never thought. And he was great, though. I mean, a lot of those guys are. There's a lot of broadcasters out there that have no jobs because there's so many good ones. But I, I'm just saying, like, I can't believe that he caught on. Like the West Coast League, league is far removed. There's the A and, you know, then there's the East Coast League. These teams in the West Coast League and the Central League and the Southern Professional League, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, there must be over 100. And Jack got up there, and he's great. Do you ever listen to him? Oh, yeah, all the time because, you know, Edmonton. Uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, you know, he's he's one of the best, I think. Um, you know, the thing with Jack, he's so likable. And then when he – I think he went up to Anchorage, and then he got involved with a few guys that eventually – up to the NHL, right? And then, I mean, if you're a good person and you do good things, I mean, eventually uh, it pays off. Eventually, for most people, some some it doesn't, but you know, it's it's he's done well and it's good for him. When you were in Red Deer, did you have billets, or am I remembering this different? I remember, <laughs> I remember, didn't wasn't Jackson born or when I was there? Or am I wrong? And did you and Sarah were you married? You were living no, together. we weren't. We weren't married, but we had our own apartment. <laughs> I've never seen any like playing junior. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, Schmidt lives on his own. I'm like, well, he's got a kid. And then you're then you had more facial hair than either coach, than either guy. <laughs> I was going, holy fuck. Like, how did you how did you do it? How did you change your birth certificate so easy? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like one of those euros that come over. Right? Yeah, like, I know. Oh, yeah, uh, there was a few. Um, but yeah, that's wild. And and so that, I'm right, right? And when was Dax, yeah. by the way, just get, I, yeah. I, I don't want to like set a bit of it in the preamble. I don't want to dwell on it. And I'm yeah. sure you got memories and, and it's, and you know, I can't identify, I can't, but Chase is doing now well and everything. He was born after Dax, correct? Yeah, he's six, he was six years younger than Dax. I thought so. And, yeah. you know, they, I, they, I guess we stumbled upon it. I didn't plan to ask you right here. I was going to yeah. say it right off the hop, but we got talking. And I don't want to dwell on it, but, you know, they ended up, if, if I'm not mistaken, finding out they, they found the guy, right? That Yeah. Yeah. So him. they 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 found they found the guy that killed him. Um, you know, he, the guy that did it definitely wasn't anything planned or, or, or anything as such. And and uh, he's been sentenced. Uh, he got second or he got second uh, or manslaughter, but he got life life in prison. Um which in Canada doesn't mean forever, yeah. but he he'll be eligible for parole in in seven and a half years. And hey, you know if 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 things change with him and and he's he's eligible for that, then then I guess that's how the system works. And um, he's got a, a from what I know, he's got a lot of hurdles though before before that can happen. But uh, honestly, really, I, I'm not so worried about him at all. Um, you know, we're, we're just trying to, you know, it's a new life now, right. To, to move forward. And yeah, and it's I mean, like anything, it's, it's day to day and just move on. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I feel even as you say that, man, you're talking about it. I don't know if, if I'd be as strong and, um, I'm, I'm man, I'm <clears throat> almost getting emotional now, but yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, I just wish you all the best from it. You're, you're one of the best yeah. teammates and guys I've ever met. And I know that must be hard. Um, 
wish all the best to Chase for me. I'm sure it wasn't easy on him. And uh, from what I understand, yeah. great kid. Because Maddie McKim, <laughs> Maddie McKim comes back here. I know there's like 20 years between yeah. us, but but Maddie, we're more than that for fuck's sake. But you know, we skate together yeah. and everything. Yeah. And he came back with some great stories. I, I feel bad that the pandemic took so many games away from these guys, yeah. and yeah. you know, so many fans and everything. But anyway, I hear he's a great kid, and and when he tells me stories. Uh, he came down, Maddie came down. He's old enough now, obviously, to get in the bar. We were talking this summer. And uh, I said, I don't know if I if I even want to tell you everything that Greg and I were up to, but they just chase a good teammate. He's like, oh, yeah, man, he's fucking deadly. So that's good. Well, I think you guys maybe called him one one time this summer. But uh, so, yeah, he's doing well up in Bonneville. He's actually he's playing lots. He's, he's in the top. Uh, penalty minute guys in the league. He's had a few scraps. He's he's getting good at doing that. Um, but is he a southpaw like you? No, no, he isn't. He's but he's he's capable and he's getting. You know, as you do more and more, you get you like get anything. Better. Yeah. But uh, so the Bonneville Bonneville's small town, right? So if they get a few nights off, they like to go to Edmonton where they can. You know, there's more going on. And I snuck up there one night and kind of meet up with the boys. And, and oh yeah, they they only like uh, they. I try to live through them a little bit. You know, it's kind of sad, but they they like when I get up there and take them for dinner and then get them started, and then they tend to. Oh, I can only, I'd love to be a fly on the wall as you're about three or four beers in and the stories get ramped up and back in the day, I bet you must say back in the day. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, that's a blast. And Bonneville, there's another kid I skate with uh, a couple years younger, Alex Power. He's up there too. He's doing well here. I hear Alex plays back here. We're only playing shinny, but man, for years, I'm like, this guy's a player, you know, he's strong. He's got good moves. Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure how he'd do on the mainland or even where he'd go, yeah. but he found himself yeah. in Bonneville. Yeah, definitely good hockey player, good skill, a good eye for the net, good speed. I mean, you, and you know, when they start getting up in the high levels, the majority of them, they're good hockey players. It's just, can you do it at the right time? Can you do it consistently? Yeah. Can you do it when you're homesick? Can you do it when you have it? You, like you said, you can't even take a pass in practice, right? Can, yeah. can you still bring something then? And that's the hard part that a lot of people don't understand, right? Yeah, that, that's where it starts weeding out as you get higher and higher. I totally agree. And uh, and you never really know, like, because yeah. it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's all a crapshoot. You're looking at junior, you're looking at midget or wherever. You know, the best players are the best players. Hopefully they can move to the next level. But, you, you know, a lot of people mentally, A, don't want to do it. Um, maybe they're going to miss their girlfriend. Maybe they're going to get into drugs. Maybe you don't really yeah. know. I mean, you know, so as, as it plays out, um, like I like the idea of when you said you take them out for dinner and everything, like, it's nice to be, I know people say, don't be a friend. I think it's great. You know, talk to them. Like, I, I hated being intimidated. Yeah. I remember yeah. like walking into dressing rooms and going, Oh, there's a rookie veteran thing. I'm like, I'm a rookie. I'll pick up the pucks. Yeah. Don't tell me I can't go over there and talk to somebody, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it- I, I, you know, I think it's getting better now, but even back in junior days, I thought it was the, the stupidest thing. I always thought, you know, if you contribute to the team in a positive way, I, I could care less if you're 16 or, or 21, you know, uh, if, if you're 20 and you don't contribute to the team, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like, you, <know. laughs> you see Schmidt and there, that's why it worked in Red Deer. 
Yeah. Every single person. I slay Vladimir yeah. Bednash. I don't look down. Yeah. We call it Bednar for those listening. Yeah, yeah. We called him Nashy. We made him part of it. Yeah. I don't remember him dressing from the vast majority of the games I was there, but he was yeah. as much of it as BJ, and he loved yeah. that. And everybody in our room was, I, I think, felt accepted. You know, and and to me, that was so important as a player because I remember being so intimidated, not only even by the play, it was just by being around those guys when I first came in to any league, whether it's junior, the East Coast League, the NHL. And I remember going, you know, when it when you had some good vets that were accepting and even coaches, Doug Hobson, I knew he was way older than me, but thanks for talking to me, you know, and having a beer and sitting down and talking about life. You know, because I don't want to hear it from someone that just seems like they're a robot all the time. Yeah. You know, I couldn't agree. It's about, you know, making making people feel comfortable and leader, leaders should be able to 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 know when someone needs some help without them, you know, verbalizing that. You should be able to tell just by actions, uh, you know, how they're how they're doing and. And you need to read that. And, and there are times when guys get a little too far ahead of their skis and you need oh, yeah. to say, you know, and, and uh, I would have been one totally. of those guys too, totally. right? But that's um, what keeps it in check. Yeah. That's what keeps yeah. everybody. You got to yeah. pull them in. Don't get too high yeah. when you win and don't get too low when you lose. And don't be too fucking cocky when you're scoring. And don't be too down when you're not. You know, you yeah. got to keep everybody and you're right. People start getting the little swagger on like Mike Brown. Brownie, sit the fuck down. You haven't gone in the first round yet. But I'm rated number 15. Sit the fuck down. You're not gone yet. But let's go out for some beers. <laughs> you know. um, I'm going to uh, Jesus. I've gone already almost an hour. I got some rapid fire randoms. So like 10 yeah. or 15 minutes left. Are you all right with that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I got one more question, actually, before we get on to that. I yeah, follow right. the Red Deer. Do you follow the Rebels at all still? Uh, I would not really. I do follow the WHL a little bit more now simply because, well, Chase's buddies um, are now at that age, and there's lots of yeah. kids from Lloyd Minster, a lot of good hockey players that are in the WHL right now. So I, I guess I follow it more than I did for the previous years. But, of course, Red Deer always is a, a little – more special. Ward's kid was on there for a while, but he got traded recently. Was he? Okay. I didn't know yeah. if that was his kid. I uh, guess I could have just yeah. Googled it. So their leading scorer right now is named Arshdeep Bain. So with the name Arshdeep, I'm guessing East Indian. And if he is, yeah. um, is that AJ Bain's kid? AJ Bain's. Remember could, him? He used to play for Kamloops. Be. Great oh, yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. I played against, uh, he was in minors yeah. too. Uh, he was. Yeah. Underrated yeah. that guy. And yeah. I always thought, I, and I think he's got a championship somewhere. Like I remember him coming across, but you know, I'm just wondering because it would it would make sense, and I uh, actually couldn't find the answer. And he's their leading scorer now. I I watch every every two or three months. Yeah. I'll I'll go and look, and you see some guys improve, and you're like, whoa, like, and that's yeah. that's the case in junior, right? You're 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Like you said, it's not like the NHL when you look at you can project yeah. what Ryan Getzlaff is going to get for yeah. points this year, or Corey Perry, or whatever, wherever someone is in their career, or Connor yeah. McDavid. When you're in junior, my God, but some years it's just it, that whole confidence thing that takes a full year in my mind. I mean, I had 30 points my first year because I got played a lot, but I needed that year to learn, you know, then you come back and boom, now it's. So, I mean, there's so many talented, yeah, talented kids in, in junior. And I mean, th- that can work both ways, right? Like if you're down on yourself and you're talented, 
that's a, extremely, extremely tough. But if you get a bit of confidence, I mean, you can just skyrocket. Yeah. That's why people, I think, so much like turn it on after like your draft year. Like some people are still having like BJ. You know, he was in, he just didn't fit our system. He did some stupid things like stay out after curfew. He put himself <laughs> behind the eight ball. But everybody knew that he was a great player. Like I knew wherever he's going to go, it's probably going to be good. He was my buddy. I live with him. But I didn't want to see him go. But I, I essentially, I kind of beat yeah. him out for the spot on Lankow's line, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. is what? And, and, and BJ needed something. And when he, whatever it was in Red Deer, they gave him a chance. He became way more focused. He was still a bit aloof all the time. But he certainly took hockey more seriously. He wasn't the first in the gym every day, we know, but <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. That's why, like, and sometimes there's people lurking around. They just haven't gotten a chance, and you're like, whoa, he's going to turn. Yeah. Well, you, you. Yeah, you're 45 he, when you're 19. Yeah. It's not like you went ahead two when you were, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, 16. You, you could have played. Um, okay, enough of that. Yeah. Rapid fire randoms. Are you ready? Here we go. Maybe, maybe. Okay, what would you have for your death row meal? Uh, steak and lobster. Steak and lobster. Any potato to go with it? No, no. Not like no. a keg serving, just yourself, uh, just your. It, that just gets in the way. I want okay. steak and lobster. That's it. More lo- more lobster because around here you they give you like a just a tea you're, leaf of lobster. You're out west and I'm out east, and that couldn't be a more Alberta Newfoundland answer. Really <laughs> <laughs> good on you. Um, what superpower would you pick if you could have one? Uh, probably to be able to fly. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> if you could morph into one of these people, okay, every Sunday, you have to actually, which one would it be? Dr. Evil from oh, yeah. oh, Austin Powers, Indiana Jones, Papa Smurf. Again, you'd be a cartoon, so that might be fun. Uh, or Superman, literally, the Man of Steel. Uh... I'd be Superman. Well, there you go. You'd be, you'd be able to fly. None of the <laughs> other people can fly, so I was waiting for you to say that. Okay, so from 96, 97, uh, we, had a, if, if we haven't talked about it enough already. We had a great team in Red Deer with some good people. But what player? Our plane goes down, so in this world, <laughs> you've got to pick somebody to eat. Who would you eat on our team and why? <laughs> I would pick Mike Whitney. <laughs> I know why. <laughs> he'd have the most fucking. <laughs> he'd have the most to eat to eat off of. He'd give you the most he'd be, food. He'd be the tastiest. How about Mike Whitney for people out there that? And I, I mean this as a compliment. Yep. He was our goalie. He would he would fight like I mean drop his gloves and like fight the other goalie. He would like eat hot dogs right before <laughs> we went on the ice. I don't you know he was caught like a bag of milk and then some. But if you like Phil Kessel, like if those out there that like Phil Kessel would love Mike Whitney, he didn't give a fuck either. And he was a good goalie. No, he was a good fucking hockey goalie, man. He just didn't care about anything. And he was he'd walk in. I remember going into uh, playing Swift and he had mustard all over his fucking thigh. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably from September, too. Probably probably six months old. And I told him about it. He goes, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He didn't didn't wipe it. I know. A couple of years ago, I ended up, one of my buddies was playing for the Pats and they had a playoff. Uh, they were playing um, the Broncos. So I text Whitney and I said, hey, I'm coming to Swift. And he goes, oh, yeah, I go to all the games. And I go, okay, let's meet up for a couple beers at the game. And he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, I'm singing the anthem, though, and uh, I'll, I'll meet you after. 
And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't believe I, just, anything you just said. Well, yeah, I'm like, is he joking? Or like, I'm waiting for the ha ha ha, uh, you know. And no, he he's saying the anthem. No, he did not. Yeah. Mike Whitney, who I know that played goal yeah. for the Red Deer Rebels, first of yeah. all, never grabbed a microphone in his life. He wouldn't sing yeah. even at karaoke back then. What what happened? Did he become a choir guy? Like, well, I guess so. After he sang, I we met up for some beers and I guess, I mean, he, he, he's just big sponsor of the team or used to be or something of, of Swift. And, and he made a promise, I guess, if they made playoffs to a certain round that wow. he, would, he would sing the, and you know what? He actually did not bad. Uh, I think he might've practiced a bit. Well, I believe um, he could do a good but, job. He just doesn't yeah. seem like the guy that would get out it, there and take a mic. It was totally front. packed, totally packed. Like it was a playoff. I mean, it game. wouldn't be me. Yeah, you was, know what I mean? Like, I'm not shy and it wouldn't be me. So the, when you're saying that. And yeah, I hey, to, to each their own. I love it. I, I, I'm going to actually text him tonight and say, congrats. I didn't even know that story. I want to yeah. see the footage, though. And the sec, second thing about Whitney, when you talk about that, he would say whatever he wanted to. I think in on our run, maybe yeah. when, when playoffs, he didn't get the start. I think Mags did. Well, we traded for Mags, you know. Yeah. I, I can so, see how he would have been upset, but but well, he got interviewed and he just basically said to the our the Red oh yeah, team, he's like, this is complete bullshit. I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> I remember watching it on TV and thinking, whoa, this and is. Yeah. I, I do remember that. What was it? It's, oh, I can't remember the radio station. RDTV, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And very, like then very coming in the room. And you know now how everything's on social media. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You know, like now it would be like immediate, like I'm, I'm sure, yeah. you know, I'm sure everybody on the Green Bay Packers knows what happens with Aaron Rodgers after the game, like immediately because they're looking at it on their phone and shit. But back then it was just like, ooh, like he, he threw it out there on like Red Deer TV and like some of us knew and some of us didn't, but we all got talking and he wheeled in. We yeah. eating like AMW or something too. Like he's always had fast food on him and didn't give a fuck and put on his gear and went out there. And yeah. the thing is, he was good. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I don't remember him being losing or dropping any games for us yeah. or dropping the ball. I think it was just a whatever reason they traded for Mags and Mags got on fire. I don't think they'd even traded for Mags to be the only guy just to yeah, give him more support than Cam Andrick was 16. Great goalie ended up being a great yeah. goalie, but he was only 16. It's tough yeah. to be 16 year old goalie and major junior. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, next question. There you go. There's your 10 minutes just on one question. Uh, <laughs> how many times a year do you use a porter potty? Zero. You don't go to any concerts? I guess not anymore. Um, uh, how I, many? Uh, I go outside. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, not that I'm a porter potty king. I've done it. Yeah. yeah. Why not just take a whiz yeah. outside? I suppose. I don't even know. I don't remember writing that question. You have to give up one pasta sauce forever. Actually, one pasta. It's got, got to include the sauce. So give me a pasta dish so you can never have fettuccine. Alfredo. Yeah. Okay. How often do you floss? Every day, sometimes more than once. Oh, nice. Can't stand dirty, that feeling of, yeah. That's great for Sarah for all this time. Uh, <laughs> Would you remove an eye and wear it on a necklace in exchange for the ability to be invisible two days a week? No. Do you like 
<laughs> did, did you like my truck in Red Deer? <laughs> yeah, I did. Ah, uh, for those one, out there that don't know, <laughs> I went out. So I'm, I was living in Montreal where I had a Camaro, which was so stupid. I mean, no wonder I burned through my signing bonus. I was driving a Camaro around in like the winter in Montreal, the, the worst. And I left it with Darcy Tucker, who's my roommate. Then yeah. I get back to Red Deer again. I had a financial advisor and all this too. And, uh, but I'm like, ah, I need a vehicle. Was it senior or who was it? Senior? Yeah, it might as well have been. In my mind, no one told me yet. Like, I, I thought, like, well, getting a car can't be a bad thing. I'm like, what? I, I thought they appreciated like a house. Why wouldn't it? I just bought a Camaro. Isn't it a great car? So uh, I figured it out. But anyway, I go back to Red Deer. And why would I, you know, Neil Tomalty was my ability. He's like, ah, oh, we might be able to figure it out, get you to use. So I'm like, you know what? I'd like a Ford F 150. And then I just let you guys pick out. I went, I, I went to the dealership with the most immature people possible. It was Scott Burt, BJ Young, a few more of the boys. You know, we were just out bombing around. And I was like, okay, if I get this, are you guys going to do it up for me? You can do whatever you want. First thing, BJ picked the Tasmanian devil with the words, go hard or go home to put right on the tailgate. First thing. And I was like, ah, but you said it. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Jacked it up, put the big tires on it. Yeah. Beauty. The lights, lightning bolts on the side. <laughs> Whatever happened with that truck? What happened was I should have kept it, Schmitty. I came home and yeah. uh, whatever reason, I convinced myself I needed a Durango and never looking at the bank account. And then one day, just a few years later, after putting money down on a house, uh, I went to buy something. And my financial advisor, who hadn't really been advising anything, said... <laughs> Yeah, you got no money left. My first of all, my bonus was one point two five million. Okay, yeah. okay, but I, don't, I didn't know this. Okay, I didn't even think when you said to me tax. I <laughs> honestly, I swear to God, until I was in Montreal because I went there my first camp and I hadn't signed yet. They were talking about signing and everything, right? The guys on the team were like, "Hopefully, you get your bonus." No one told me about tax. I thought the word tax meant. When I go and I buy a chocolate bar for 70 cents at the store and it's 86 cents, it's 16% or 16 cents. Yeah. I didn't know you got paid. So I thought I had 1.25 million. So here we go. 58% tax is taken yeah. by Quebec government. So that's gone. 4% to my agent. This fool, I won't say who it is, but I, I hope you're fucking listening. That was my financial advisor. I paid him 2% and this is of the gross. So yeah. 64% of my money was gone. Yeah. Now, I bought my, the first thing I did was buy my parents a brand new cherry red Jeep Cherokee. I called Danny Cleary's father. I knew he worked at the car dealership. I said, just pick it out, deliver it in their driveway. Okay. But now if you think about it, right, there's, I got 400, I got 400 and something yeah. thousand. Yeah. So, you know, over the next few years, I bought and I, I only would buy cars and then like sell them. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what the word lease meant. I thought it was a house. I thought it was. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know anything. Well, about, you should know that at, at 17 or 18. I know. But when, when you get that, I, I had the money of someone that was further along, you know, like, yeah, I just didn't know. I was too immature. I just didn't know. I, you know what I did, Schmitty? Yeah. I signed. And what they used to do in Tri-Cities, this was at the same kind of time. But, you know, first thing I did was for my parents and in Tri-Cities, they would give the award winners a free cruise. Yeah. So like every year, like seven guys got to go on a free cruise. So I looked at Lanks. I'm like, fuck, man, like this. Like he yeah. just signed in Tampa. And I was like, all of a sudden, we just went from $60 a week or 80 bucks a week or whatever yeah, it is yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to like, we got money here. So I'm like, what's it going to hurt? I said, like, so not everybody wanted to come, but we took, a, a, I'd say three or four guys each, like yeah. on a cruise. Right. And I'm wondering why. And, and it came, then I got married and divorced again. Great girl, different part of my life, but I had to give her almost, yeah, yeah, get yeah. In, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. then I had a cat. Yeah, you, you, there, it just it was like it doesn't take long to burn no. four hundred thousand dollars when you think you have more than three times that really. Uh, I mean, yeah. plenty, plenty of guys that played a lot of years in the NHL. And I mean, you, you're done at thirty four, thirty five at yeah. best. Most, I mean, that's still a lot of life to live. And then, a lot. And not everybody. I think now there might be, yeah. you know, more again. I had a financial advisor, but all he really was doing was putting what money I had into the, say, yeah. you know, stocks and fucking yeah, bonds, yeah, whatever yeah. he was doing with them, you know, what he thought would work, but he wasn't really yeah. advising me that no. you can lease a car. You can get one in two years old. Yeah. You know, yeah. get one a couple of years old. They're the same fucking car. I only wanted it to look like a sports car. It didn't matter to me. I could have bought one. It was yeah. a Camaro. If you gave me one 10 years earlier, it would have thrilled me. I did yeah. no idea. Uh, anyway, as the rapid fire random round is becoming <laughs> a little much, how many first fish burgers have you eaten? Fish burgers. I like probably two or three in my lifetime. Where would you want to visit that you haven't been? Fucking seniors basement. Oh, you got to get there soon. Would you go into space if given the opportunity? Of course. Yeah. How many CDs do you own? Like probably 10, but they're in a case in my basement. I don't actually play them. You threw them all out. I remember you had a book of them in junior. Remember we all had a book <laughs> and you should take them out of the case, which defeated the whole purpose of having a, the, the thing in the first place and throw away the case. And then you would put them in those, you know what I mean? You know, the book. I probably still have that exact same one. Yeah. And I used to, yeah, threw away about fucking five, 600 good CD cases for that. And uh, I got the same. Uh, your favorite saying. Uh, take care. Your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people not on time. You're on a deserted island for three weeks. Okay, so three weeks. Yeah, nice. You got to take what? one of these people. And you got to fend for yourself. Think about it like Survivor, okay? okay. The island is big enough. It's probably as big as Red Deer proper. It's going to take a long yeah. time to walk one place to the other, but or one end to the other. But you're by yourself. And uh, like I said, it's a deserted island, but it's in a warm place. At least there's palm trees. Do you take hey. Curious George? Remember, he is a monkey, so I'm guessing he could probably get to trees easier. Deadpool. It would be funny if nothing else. Yeah. I don't think you would really need a superhero, but he cracks some good jokes. Darth Vader, but Darth Vader can't kill you. So in this world, Darth Vader is part of the dark side. He can do pretty much anything he wants, but he can't yeah. kill you. So it might be intriguing, although he might make the island into, I, I don't know what, you tell me, you know, yeah. Hunger Games. But anyway, so which person? Curious George, who would pretty much leave you alone, but he is a monkey on an island with trees. Deadpool or Darth Vader, but he can't kill you. I'd say Deadpool. Okay, because there's really no threat and he's funny. Yeah, he's funny. I, wanna, I, wanna, I mean, if I'm there for three weeks, I'd, I'd rather have a few laughs. I like your answer. You had to cut off a finger or a toe. Which one and why? Uh, I would say uh, probably a toe because I think I, I would and need which toe? 
Uh, man, which toe you're going to say pinky, but it's going to throw your balance off, man. You're going to be swaying back and forth when you're drinking. It's going to throw you way <laughs> off. It might put me on course. Ooh, wow. My, my mind blown. <laughs> uh, I, so I would say third toe. My middle. Is there a middle toe? Well, they're not because you only have five. I mean, I consider the middle one the big long one. I don't think I'd take that. If you're asking, no, no. I would take the one next to the middle toe. That's not the, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the big toe. Every time you turn on a faucet or start an engine of any kind for the rest of your life, an ACDC song comes on. Which song would that be? Back in Black. Your favorite TV character of all time? Uh, favorite TV character? I'd say uh, Kramer. An all-time line. He's a great character, by the way. All-time line. So in this particular world, you're going to play one of the forward positions. You've got to pick the other two forwards and the other 2D. And it doesn't have to be like who you think are the best. Maybe you want, like, I would pick, you know, the first thing coming to my mind would be Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. But, you know, Eric Lindros would be fun to have over there. He'd crush everybody he looked at. Uh, you know, hey, maybe the Rocket Richard can't be too bad. Who would you pick for your four players? Four players. Uh, Probert for sure. Oh, beauty. I'll be Probert. Uh, Probert. What a great Probert. answer. Uh, Underrated uh, scorer too. the guy at 30. Oh goals. yeah. I mean, he's a legend on the, on the ice and off the ice. <laughs> he was just the toughest. Like it, yeah. people ask me now looking back, I'm like, I don't think there's another answer. And it's weird because there were like, I don't yeah. remember seeing Tony twist lose too many. Joey Koser, Ty Domi, like, I mean, I mean, the tough guys back then were limitless, but there were guys that were way up there. But for some reason, well, the reason was because he was tough. But Probert, in my mind, and the people I talked to, was almost hands down. Well, and you, like 30 goals one year, you know, 400 minutes. I mean, and, and the amount of time he did it. And, remember, he, like, and then we all found out that he was coked up half the time. I mean, yeah. That adds I mean, to it. I'm not I'm not saying I like that he had a drug problem, but when you find out, you know, yeah. you read his book and you're like, oh, my God, like you were having 30 goals in the NHL and fighting every night and sometimes going to bed at yeah. seven and eight. Yeah. Holy yeah. It just made some scarier. I remember going like my first game playing against him, looking around, going like I'm terrified of this person and I'm not generally that kind of player. But anyway, I told him too when I met him. Yeah. Well, we you, and you, you know, it's it's one thing. It, even for guys, you know, you play in a league for a certain amount of years. It's just yeah. like going to a rec game after that. So, I mean, you got to find your own way to get up. And, and guys that can do it for that amount of years, whether Amazing. you're a fighter or you're a goal scorer or whatever, it's it's remarkable. Like, it's just remarkable, the, the you know, the mental toughness. and the, Totally. Uh, Pavel Burry. I like Great Pavel answer. Burry. I was going to throw that yeah. out there with the, when I said yeah. Lindros. Yeah. I thought I thought Burry was exciting, fast, unique. Oh yeah, and you've uh, got a bit of flair. He'd be fun to go out with after the games. I think that would be. I played with his brother Valerie, who was like mesmerizingly fast and like agile. But Pavel was next level, and that's another guy. He, he was injured. He was injured. He had sixty goals more than once. The Russian Rocket. For those that don't know, just type in Pavel Burry top ten. Jesus, he could turn on a dime. There's fast, and then there's agile, and. I don't know if I've seen a more agile player ever. 
Paul Coffey, one D-man, uh, Chris Pronger, another D-man. Nice. I mentioned Pronger at the beginning of this. They just retired yeah. his jersey. Yeah, He's uh, just a mean guy. I love big, mean D-man. Yeah. I, I play a simple game, can shoot the puck. I just think they're... You know why? A coffee and him would be unreal to play together because you'd get the best out of coffee every night. Yeah. And Pronger would just eat up that role. But, you know, that's another thing. That's why you pick... Like, I could look and look at stats, and I've, I, I, I can answer that question... 10 different ways, depending on when you ask me. But if, if, if my life was on the line and it was like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago and we were wheeling, we were in our prime and like, I would definitely pick Pronger because you know how hard it is to play against them. Like yeah. the hardest thing to do in my, like if you ask me hard things to do when we play junior, for example, well, definitely play in Saskatoon because I'm a forward. Yeah. And if I went in front of the net, like Wade Belak or Chris McAllister, or hopefully Rhett Warner, like third yeah. in the mix, who was a killer, you know, yeah. it's not fucking easy to go in front of the net with them. Now, no. you could say no. Nolan Baumgartner is a great. Um, if he beats me, it'll be with goals. It'll be he's a great. Which, I got total respect for him. But for my, my job being harder would definitely be, you know, and that's kind of what you want. Yeah. And I, that's probably why I tend to those to the bigger, stronger, meaner D, because that's I, I didn't like playing against them. And anytime we won anything in my career as a team. We always had a, 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 a big, tough decor that they, they just got the puck to the forwards, let them do their thing. I mean, we, we always had one skilled guy in there, but majority is just good, tough, tough D-men that just did their job, and that was it. Schmitty, what do you got to promote? Anything? Do you have a company that you want to promote on here or uh, anything like that? Are you coaching anything now? What are you doing? No, no, you know, I'm not really, uh, you know, other than my, my own job, but you know, I, I don't really have anything to, to promote. I just want to say, say hi to all my buddies, all the ex teammates that could be listening. And then, you know, I'd love to love to see you guys all at some point in the next yeah. few years. I know Ash has got his, his golf tournament and I guess they're in, and I usually have a bit of a reunion for the hockey guys uh, August long at, at my cottage there. And I mean, last time we did this, yeah, I know it, it was, it was a much different scenery for me. I was, uh, we were in the middle of that weekend and I think I was up the whole night before and we did, uh, yeah, we yeah, did, was, the, <laughs> we did the call and it was 30 degrees. And, and now I'm sitting in my office and it's minus 40 and I haven't seen anybody in like a long time. So, that's wild. Yeah. Two different ends of the spectrum. Well, that's what we should do. Um, you know, it's one thing every time I have yeah. people on, I tend to have friends and ex teammates yeah. and men. And, and a lot of us are like, since I've done it, it it's wild. I, some of these people that I wouldn't have seen, we end up catching up. I just went to uh, Sudbury and caught up with a few old teammates that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But this, there's a time I will definitely be at Ashes tournament. I am every year other than obviously the last two. Yeah. Yeah. You want to meet me there? It's in at the yeah. end of July, and then I'll, I'll head up to North Battleford. It's not that far. Yeah, action. I'm usually uh, Blair's been going up, right? Action. Yeah, yeah. Blair comes down to it. I met him there a few years ago. We had a blast. Blair, myself, and uh, Rob McLean stayed up to like four or five. I mean, we were there for four days, but this one yeah. particular night, because Blair had like some crazy years in the WHL. Yeah, like, six, six, 70 goals. Yeah, 70 goals. When I found that out, and I'd always heard his name, but Wow. Yeah. I couldn't. I wanted to sit down and talk to the legend. Everybody else was up. 
uh, boot scooting and, and talking at the bar. I, I, the first thing I did, I said, before I get too drunk, I want to talk to you. He's a legend. Say hi to him if you ever see him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do see him quite often. So. Okay, Schmitty. Well, it was great to have you on episode 87 of Tales with Tierra. I can't wait to see you. This is definitely going to happen. Let's make a point of it because it was a little bit of a blur in Red Deer a few years ago, and it was only one night yeah, I had to get yeah. back out east. But let's do it soon. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this, and uh, good luck. And tell Chase, will you pass it on? Good luck the rest of his hockey season and career. Right on, brother. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Schmitty. Catch you on the rebound. Ciao. Okay. Thanks, Schmitty. Great guy. Uh, you know, a lot of you waiting for, so I said I was going to post some junior tapes that I had. That would probably be the first one. We had this highlight tape that we did in Red Deer 96, 97. And uh, Schmitty was the type to get highlight goals, you know? He went, when, when, he, when he scored, and at least when I was there, it tended to be at a big moment. It was a clutch guy. So it, it, he's just got some awesome goals on this tape. Aaron Asham, BJ Young, first-round picks, uh, Jesse Wallen, Lance Ward, um, yours truly, uh, God, Lloyd Shaw on the point, uh, God, Devin Frank on, Stephen Pete, Mike Brown, first-rounder, uh, Brent McDonald's, Brad Lieb, fuck, I haven't said Lieber, Johnny Zakuski, feel bad now, Kyle Koss, all the I, everything I'm mentioning are like guys who are on like Team Canada or first or second round picks. I, I, if, if all the boys are listening, I don't want to go and list everybody on the team. I love all you guys. I'm just trying to paint a picture for people that, you know, we had half our team was first or second round picks. Um, we lost to Lethbridge and they had traded with Prince Albert at the deadline. Red Deer traded for me and a guy, Mark Maglier Diddy, who will see next week, a good goalie. who was playing in Spokane. Uh, Lethbridge traded for, amongst other players, Chris Phillips, uh, who was first overall, and Shane Willis, who the next season, I believe, at least two seasons later for sure, would have 30 goals in Tampa Bay. And uh, speaking of Scott Stevens, knocked him out and his career was over early on. I think he was 22 or 23. But anyway, it was, uh, it was a great time. And I got to know Schmitty then, and I still think the same of him. We keep in touch. You don't really keep in touch with everybody you played with. And like I said, Schmitty doesn't uh, get out here, but I did see him in 2016 and we've always kept close either with a phone call or a text. And uh, I can't say enough about him. One of the straight up good guys, uh, good teammates. So thanks again, Greg. And uh, talk again soon. See you in the summer. Okay, folks. Um, that's pretty much it. I had some questions about the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know. <laughs> I had like just today, uh, a bunch of people sent me messages. I guess there's a soundbite I haven't heard from Leon Dreisaitl. But from the questions I'm getting, he's pissed off. I don't think he said anything outlandish. You know, I'd be pissed off too. Um, the Oilers, I think, are in trouble. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the, the beginning of the year, I, I thought I, I, they had me convinced when it was like 16. I think they were 16 and like two or something, something crazy. I figured they might come down to earth a little bit, but this is next level. But this is what? Dreisaitl McDavid, what, six or seven years? Right? Nurse is an all-star. He was like 
uh, he's up for the Norris last year. I haven't seen this year, but he's, you know, one of the better defensemen probably would have been on team Canada Olympic, right? You got, and, and there, you know, there's other great players there. Nugent Hopkins. What's it? Uh, Puyarvi. lot like, you know, Cassian is a, for what he does. He's one of the best at it. I think um, maybe not this year. I haven't seen all the games, but up to this point, you know, he's a feisty guy. Tough. I, I don't know. Like what the fuck else do they need? And I, I, I don't know. It's frustrating. And you know, what, what, what do you, at what point, you know, if one of them, I, I don't mean just McDavid or Dreisaitl or, or whoever, but you know, do they ask for a trade and then where do they go? I mean, who, who knows? Maybe you're going to go to a worse situation and how much, you know, at some point, I hate to say it because I don't see these guys score like crazy. They're unbelievable. But like Crosby came in and he, his team won the cup in a few years, let alone like get to the third round. Uh, you know, I don't know. Every superstar, just think of, I don't know, someone on that level. Like they're on a different planet. Eric Lindros, you know, he was in the final. They didn't win, but they got to the final in, in Philly. Um, he went first overall. Of course, there was a trade, but you know, uh, Lemieux, Gretzky, you know, generally they, Gretzky's in a different situation, I guess, because he came in with a good team, but you know, Lemieux, Crosby, Patrick Kane, um, Matthews, you know, you, you tend to tank and then you draft like one guy. And a few years later, you know, you can support around him a little bit and they begin, let alone, and and they improve, but you got two of the MVPs of the league and one of the best D surrounded by all kinds of great players that any team would want to be to have on their regular roster. And yet you're struggling to beat Arizona and shit. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it the coach again? I'm not saying it's one of the two or three or four best players on the Oilers, but I don't know. Like I'm going to have to start paying more attention. What happens in these games? Like, you know, like, you used to turn in and just watch Gretzky and you knew that he was going to get a hat trick and you knew that that maybe, maybe it's the timing of the points. I don't know, but something is amiss. Something's amiss. And if, if, if you not only have the best player, you have arguably the second best, again, it's a big argument, but you can still say it, you know, these two of the last three MVPs are on one line. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what the answer is. I, I refuse to believe that it's McDavid or Dreisaitl personally, but or, or a combination of them or an ego. I don't think it's egos at all. But something isn't working. And whether it's just the vibe, and we said that confidence thing, sometimes it turns into a vibe. Maybe it's just mental for the particular room has become poison. I don't know. But I don't know any other sport where you could ask me the vast majority of people give the clear cut winner of best player in the league that you would think or not winner, the clear cut answer. A lot of people would give is Connor McDavid. And what's he been to the playoffs once they lost in the first round, maybe twice last year was their best chance. And they got fucking smoked four games to nothing. It wasn't even close. I don't know. 
blow it up. If you blow it up, maybe maybe it's no one's fault. It's just a negative energy that at this point can't be overcome. I don't know. But with these people on your team and you can't beat the worst teams and regularly and you, you're not in the playoffs and you might not even make the playoffs. Jesus, 16 of the 33 teams make it. Maybe another sport. That I mean, you might say if the top 10 athletes on the planet that McDavid, and by, by extension, fucking Dreisaitl got to be in that conversation. I'm sick of people saying one guy's way better than the other. I do think McDavid is the best you know, player out there. But something, I don't know any other player that came in and loses so frequently. And you're surrounding him. They, goalie's big thing, right? Goalie's big, and the goalies are really letting them down. And maybe that catches on. And when you're a forward that can fly and score, or you're a defenseman that, you know, maybe take a little rush once in a while, you're less worried about doing that. I don't know. And I don't think you can blame one person. I do think the goaltending has been lackluster, but I don't know. If this happens again this year, if they don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round, I would. If you're asking me, I would blow it up. Not that it's any of their fault, but you can get major players, right? If you blow it up, you're going to come in with, you're going to end up with a great team either way. Can you imagine trading those guys, the team that you would get? Remember, I hated the fact that Gretzky got traded, but Edmonton won the cup the next year, right? By time back, I still wouldn't want to see it happen. Growing up, watching one of your favorite Heroes, not just hockey players, heroes um, with no TikTok or fucking Snapchat or any of that or Facebook or Twitter. None of that to concentrate on. Just TV. Highlights when you can get them. One night a week, Saturday night, there's an NHL game out that's going to have a Canadian team. Rarely did we get Edmonton, but as Gretzky picked up and I became five, six, seven, eight years old and Gretzky was starting to tear it up, they'd put on that second game or they'd often feature Edmonton in Newfoundland. You know, it's just a weird, like we always see the Habs or the Leafs, right? Generally. But Gretzky was so good that you started to see him everywhere. And then like on Wheaties boxes and stuff, and there was never a hockey player. You'd be like, what? And uh, anyway, it was a fantastic time to be growing up, but I, I didn't have much to spend my time and energy on. So uh, I knew everything about Wayne Gretzky. And the day he was, he went to LA, I definitely cried <laughs> as he cried while looking back right anyway maybe you got to but i i do i think those players are uh underachieving with their team they still one of them might end up winning the scoring probably mcdavid i mean i'm rambling but uh yeah i think i think there's major problem there and who knows i don't have an answer uh Drysdale, yeah, he was pissed off. He should have been, I guess. They're uh, they're all playing like shit, and uh, the reporter was in his face. What are you going to do? Uh, anyway, that's that. I wish the orders luck. A lot of my friends uh, live out west and go to a lot of games, and uh, I'd like to see, you know, one of the, if not, I think when it's all said and done, you, you're probably going to say McDavid is the greatest of his generation, right? And this year, the Olympics got taken away. So that's gone. And now if they don't fucking make the playoffs, it's just for, you know, each year is a legacy year and it would be a big disappointment. So I hope they put it together. And if they get in, well, anything can happen. Hello, Montreal Canadians, 2021. Anyway, 
I love those guys. I love those players. I think they're in trouble. I hope what I say doesn't come off as negative towards each player, but at some point, I don't know what the fucking answer is. But uh, good luck to all my Edmonton Oilers fans out there and the Oilers themselves, because I don't care who it is. I want to see a Canadian team win it soon. Folks, check out Wedgwood Cafe on Elizabeth Avenue also for all your catering needs. Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Check it out. Uh, Danielle, she has great uh, hoodies, and now they got some other... Uh, Creating a line of oh uh, overalls, no coveralls, coveralls, uh, workwear kind of thing. So it's worth looking into. But if you want a hoodie, normally one twenty nine, eighty nine bucks, and I'll throw in a book for uh, let's say for the next month. I think Danielle will be all right with that. Uh, green sleeves, downtown, uptown, but green sleeves downtown now uh, serves food, and they stay kind of. You know, most things are shut down here, but if you serve food, you can stay open. So it's somewhere to go and have a live, uh, watch a live band, have a good time, check those places out. Trinity Pub when it reopens, of course, one of the nicest bars on George Street. The Bull and Barrel, Tino, love it. Great place to watch live live events, Bull and Barrel, and they've uh, been bitten by this pandemic in that they still can't uh, open their doors, but it's coming soon. Check it out, support local when you can. A lot, a lot of these people are struggling to keep their businesses open. I'm not just talking about my area. I'm talking about all over the world, basically. And uh, if you can, try to buy local more and more. Uh, if you can. I think that's a good thing. This has been episode 87. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Check out, stay tuned on Instagram or on Facebook if you follow me or Twitter. I'm going to announce shortly when the time and place, well, when the time will be, place is going to be my dad's basement, when we're going to start the uh, Tales with TR YouTube channel for uh, live Q&A. Stay tuned. Thanks a lot for tuning in to episode 87 with my buddy Greg Schmidt. See you all again next week. We'll catch you on the rebound. <laughs>